We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to that episode of the Spurs Up show presented by the Armchair Americans. I am your host, Chris Phillips. Joined as always by my co-host, Tyler, or excuse me, almost messed up, Thomas Floyd. Uh, I'm Thomas, I'm already messing up. You're good, dude. You, 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 Thomas, before, before we get in, everybody, he was asking me a question before the show, got me all, my, my brain is scrambled eggs right now. So I want to make sure I clarify for those who also don't know for our show, be sure to go online, rate, subscribe, share, and download the Spurs Up show on iTunes, the Stitcher app, wherever you consume your media. For those who don't know what the Stitcher app is, as Thomas was about to ask me before I came on and sent me into a complete brain blender. You the did Stitcher that app, I, I did that to myself, but the Stitcher app, Thomas, is basically if you have an Android, if you're a Green Bubble user, God bless, God rest your soul. But <laughs> if you want to listen to us, if you're a Green Bubble user, if you're a Green Bubble, the Stitcher app is for you, for Android users, as far as I know. I don't use it, but I'm sure there are some of our listeners out there that do. So if you are on the Stitcher app, we appreciate you. Please continue to listen. Again, show us love on iTunes, wherever you consume your media, your podcasts. Uh, please be sure to go there. Also, check us out on all of our social media handles on Twitter at Armchair S Car, Instagram at Armchair S Carolina, and of course, armchairamericans.com, localizing your sports coverage content. And again, the podcast brought to you by the Armchair Americans. So, again, before I got into a complete brain blender, um, I'm your host, Chris Phillips. He's Thomas Floyd. We're back again for another week. And Thomas, I got to say, before we kind of get into everything, the first, the first uh, episode. You know, with you on as the permanent co-host, actually did pretty well. Yeah, you know, I, I meant to tell you, we're, we're almost at uh, 300 listens through the first week. The show hadn't even been live a week yet, so yeah. you know, we're uh, we're 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 doing pretty well. And and honestly, the show was about really nothing. So that that's a that's a good thing. I mean, um, dude, you brought me on. What did you expect? Again, like I said in the show, I am the greatest. Yeah, Alex had Alex Reynolds had a had a blast with that. By the way. Oh, he's so. gonna when he listens to this and hears that me saying that he's gonna. We need to just we just need to bring him back on and just just have that barrage going on. We, oh, we, no. need, we need we would go at each other so much about stuff. Yeah, we need to have that happen again. See who has the bigger brain when it comes to recruiting. It'd be close. I mean, me obviously, but he's a close <laughs> all right. So as we talked to you guys last week, this, this week's obviously going to start. We're going to have some brand new segments. A couple start to start this week. Uh, we we may add a couple more as we go, you know, down the road. And obviously, I think as we get into football season, we're going to be adding different things. But we got two new segments for you guys this week. Um, first to start off, one we're really really excited about uh, this week in Tater news for me. As me and Thomas were talking in pre-show. 
this week in Tater News, Dabo is in Cleveland. Yes, Dabo Sweeney was in Cleveland to watch the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, I took a hilarious spin on it. If you did not see on our Armchair South on a Twitter account, basically I jacked the picture from that tweet and basically said that Dabo looked like he was checking his bank account and the new spring check had just went through, cashing a hella bank, uh, hella paycheck. So I don't know why Dabo's in Cleveland. I don't know if Dabo's a Cleveland Cavs fan. It doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me, but damn, the tweet was really funny. So that's uh, that's what's going on on my side. Uh, Thomas, what do, what do you got as far as, you know, just it, what's what's happening in Taterland this week? Uh. Not much is really like happening. I know they played. F- I think FSU recently got beat. Uh, I don't know if they did or not. I hate Clemson, so I hope they lost by hundred. But here's my insider theory of the century. Uh, once Nick Saban retires from the University of Alabama, Davis Winnie will become the next head coach for the Crimson Tide. And I've seen this tweet a lot go around. Not really, it go around, but. Every time I bring this up to a Clemson fan, they're like, there's no way he go to Alabama. We play Alabama National Championship. It's not going to happen. Well, little do you know, insider theory, you heard it here first. Basically, the Colin Cowherd of podcast radio, Dabo 20 to Alabama, 2K22. Well, I don't know, Thomas. I think I'm going to have to disagree with you because I don't know if you've heard Dabo, but according to them, you know, the University of South Carolina is in Clemson. And I'm I'm sure he probably thinks the University of – South Carolina is also in Alabama. I don't I don't know if that theory even makes sense, but I don't think he knows where anything is anymore. So I, I don't know if I agree with you there. I think he's probably going to uh to die die on the field in orange and purple. I don't know. That that's at least what I've been hearing. You know, we'll, we'll I mean, see what happens. But I would think that <laughs> the only thing that would make him leave Clemson to me is either an NFL head coaching job comes around, which he has no experience. He he would never last in the NFL because cheerleader coaches usually don't do anything unless you're Mike Tomlin, and he's one of the few exceptions. Big-time cheerleader coach. Yeah. Big, 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 big-time cheerleader yeah. coach. I mean, that's all Sweeney is. Like, I don't care what anyone says. I think Venables and his offense coordinators that have come through are just, like, the real deal. And I think once Venables leaves and goes somewhere, once his son graduates, Clemson's defense is going to go down the drain because Venables is all what that defense is. But anyway – it's just amazing to me to see all the Clemson fans that just believe he's never going to go anywhere. Like he's leaving eventually, whether or not you like it. Yeah, no, we'll we'll see. I I, I love the take. I don't know. I I for, I've been uh the the, the Twitter sphere again. This is something we're going to be doing every week, just because the Twitter sphere is so damn funny, and we see so many absurd things throughout social media. And I, you know, I feel like our listeners should have the chance to engage in that because I, I think it's hard, it's hard to keep up with it all. So we, we want to make sure that you're all in the loop. We're doing you all a favor. So you're welcome. Um, another one that we're going to be doing overreaction of the week, Thomas, we'll start with you, your overreaction uh, of the week regarding the Gamecocks. Uh, I'm going to say today, actually with the guard that came in from um, Georgetown, Trey Campbell, little, you know, I think he actually is sponsored by Campbell soup. Pretty sure that's a thing. Um, but he averaged like three points throughout his career at Georgetown, and I'm willing to assume that's because he didn't play, even though I did read up today it was like a freak accident, and that's why the main reason he didn't um play. But in this year, in the previous in the end of previous season, but I mean Frank Booker did come from FA Fort Atlantic. Am I right about that, Chris? Yeah, he started at Oklahoma, I think, and then went to FAU and then well, came to South Carolina. Yeah, he averaged what like two points at FAU. I mean, all over the place. I mean, unless he comes in like that and is just like a 
drop dead three point shooter. I don't think he's going to be that great, but I mean, anything's possible at this point. You never know with Frank Martin, what he brings in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. You know, with them losing Rob Felder now, I mean, they got to bring somebody in. So. Somebody's going to play point guard. So, somebody, game. somebody, unfortunately, has to play point guard. And I'm, unfortunately, it might be a guy named Sony Gra- oh, Sony Gravitt. Oh, hey, Gravitt. Gravitt. I was yeah, Gravitt. Don't, don't even say that name. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my overreaction of the week, South Carolina took two or three from Ole Miss. My overreaction of the week is South Carolina might actually make some noise and Hoover make a surprise run to Omaha. So there you go. South Carolina, you know, Hoover has been a place, a house of horrors for them in the past. I think with Mark Kingston, you never know, might find a way. You know, it, the funniest stat I heard before the old Miss, I think it was, yeah, the first game of the old Miss series is that South Carolina has uh, the record, the series record with Ole Miss has been like 36 and 23 in the regular season or something like, like they've dominated them since 2012. They're like, they've won like seven of the last eight. And now I guess it would be like, what, like nine of the last 11 or whatever. They've won. They they they've dominated them in in the SEC tournament. They're one in six against them. That's just Jeez. how bad South Carolina is in the SEC tournament. But my hot take, my overreaction: South Carolina is going to make some noise and Hoover make a deep run and be a scary team, make a run to Omaha. We'll see. Who yeah. knows? Um, so le- that kind of leads us into what happened over the weekend. So Carolina takes two of three from Old Miss, the fourth ranked Rebels, um, third, fourth, fifth, whatever poll you're looking at. Old Miss, a top five team. Uh, first thing I want to say is just uh, shout out and a laugh in our la- we're laughing in the face of our friend John Gillian over at Armchair Ole Miss. He is a huge Rebel. Obviously, runs the Armchair Ole Miss account, covers the Rebels for Armchair Ole Miss. And uh, I was actually on the College Baseball Podcast last week. Was talking to him about him about the series. Uh, he picked the Rebels to win two of three. Said South Carolina had no starting pitching. Um, what he did not realize is when I picked Ole Miss to win two or three, I was putting the good old reverse jinx on South Carolina, and it seemed to work because the Gamecocks absolutely dominated the Rebels the first two games. Um, had a chance to win the third game, you know, you know, came down to the wire, came down to the tenth inning, and you know, Madison Stokes somehow just could not put the bat on the baseball on three straight fastballs in the tenth, the bases loaded. But I, either way, South Carolina wins two of three, almost sweeps the series. Um, you know, Thomas, I'm not sure if you had a chance to watch, but just overall, you know, initial takeaways from beating the fourth-ranked team in the country, you know, beating them two of three, and what what do you think this means, you know, for the outlook of South Carolina's postseason chances? Well, I mean, a lot. I went and watched the game Saturday, and I was actually the one who was giving John so much crap on Twitter. If you didn't already see it, it was hilarious. I, I think I made him actually poop his pants whenever he was on Twitter, but – um. They put, to me, Hill did a great job Saturday, pitched a really good game. Um, they were putting the bat on the ball a lot. They, they, I don't think there were a lot of easy outs for Ole Miss, if that makes sense. What, what was the final in that game? Do you remember? 10-6 maybe. They had a five-run yeah. five um, eighth inning or four-run eighth inning. Where they That's right. Them. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. But other than that, I mean. Garbage they, runs, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they just dominated Ole Miss. It was like. It really looked like South Carolina was the number five team and Ole Miss was the one who wasn't ranked or number four, wherever they were. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I couldn't – I mean, I was shocked the way South Carolina just beat the brakes off Ole Miss those first two games. I mean, it – and, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like I hadn't had that feeling in a long time where it was just like after uh, Saturday, you know, South Carolina against a team that highly ranked already has a series – you know, already has a series clinch. And it's like, of course, you know – you definitely want to get the sweep. I mean, it sucks to not get the sweep, but going into Sunday when you've already got the Series 1 is just such a good feeling. It's like Sunday is just all gravy at this point. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it was a huge, huge win because I mean, I think that was definitely the you know of the last three series when we looked at it last week. That was definitely the hardest one remaining in South Carolina. You know, does you know does what they did? I mean, now you've got Missouri at home this weekend, which, with all due respect to Missouri, I think South Carolina should win two of three, if not sweep. And then you go on the road to Texas A and M, the last series of the weekend, to a team that you know has been inconsistent all year. So South Carolina with a really, really good chance to finish the season winning. What would it be? Five straight SEC series if they won. I think so. I the think next like two, they're five, in three right now. Three or four or five. I can't remember. Yeah. So you know, I I think they got a great chance. I mean, again, you know, I know my overreaction of the week was a little bit of overreaction, but kind of serious. I mean, I think South Carolina is kind of looking like a team right now, the way they're getting hot. That you know, you're not going to want to see them in your regionals a two or a three, um, two or three seed. I mean. I mean, if they um, get to like the thirty-three or thirty-four win mark, like that's pretty. That's a pretty good year. You can't complain about that. Dude, I was trying to talk with John and Tyler King, who's our other college baseball podcast host and covers armchair te- or covers Texas for armchair. But I mean, I, I mean, I, maybe you know too. I mean, do you think South Carolina may still have a chance of hosting a regional? I mean, because you look at some of the records of some of these teams they have projected. I mean, I know that the RPI plays in. Listen, I'm not a big RPI guy. I don't get into all that crap, but. I mean, it, it just seems like to me if South Carolina can finish out and win the rest of their SEC series and maybe win two or three games in Hoover, I mean, I don't see why South Carolina would not be a host. I think they'd have to sweep probably one of these next series and not lose another midweek game, and they'd probably have to make a run in Hoover to get to where they would be hosting a series, in, in my opinion, just the way. Because that shows at least that you're not just like – you're not just – Sort of like you're not just hot. You're really you're actually showing that you're a really good baseball. They're like improved. You're not just yeah. hot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think they're a little bit of both, though. I mean, I definitely like we talked last week. I think they're improved. They've gotten so many guys back that were injured, but I mean, of course, yeah, they've gotten hot at the right time. There's no question. And like I said, I think that's just a result of getting those guys back. So I mean, um, the Raptors got hot in the year, and then now they're at home like they're <laughs> back out, so. God, the Raptors. They they're so bad. <laughs> Booking a guaranteed what? Get, booking a guaranteed trip in May just to be ousted in six games by the Cavs every year. That's so tough, though. I hate it for him, but <laughs> sucks to suck, I guess. But anyway, um, yeah, baseball. I don't know. How, it's gonna be tough, but maybe it might be possible. Honestly, anything. Yeah. Is possible. Who were who were some of your big standouts of the weekend? Obviously, you were there on Saturday. I mean, I, I'm, I'll start with one definitely. I mean, the guy that just continues to impress everybody is. It's Carlos Cortez. I mean, the way he's swinging the bat, I mean, it's just unreal to see the turnaround he's had. And like I said, it's just so eerily similar to what he did last season. Who were some guys you kind of saw when you were there on Saturday? Or were there any, you know, performances that stood out to you that, you know, kind of went above and beyond everybody else? I mean, I know Adam Hill pitching on Saturday. He was an absolute monster to me. He he really killed it that game. I think he went maybe six innings, if I have that right. Either it was six or probably almost six, if I had to guess. And I think about five strikeouts. You can't complain about that, considering the way he's he's been kind of pitching more poorly lately. But to me, him having that game against Ole Miss, securing the series win, you can't. That's you take that every day of the week. It's a great day for him. So that leads me into something. By the way, I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine. I want to get your take on it, Thomas. What you know with Adam Hill? I really thought in the beginning of the season that he was kind of a guy where hey, he's a junior. He's going to leave after the year. Um, especially when he had those back-to-back 14Ks games, showed the stuff. Like I was like, you know, he's definitely going to be a high draft pick. What? Let me – give me your, your take on this. I, I don't think it's a guarantee anymore that he leaves. Like, I, I, I actually don't think he should leave. I mean, I no, just I mean, think there's been a lot 
the way I look at it, there have been a lot more guys that were way more of a guarantee to be a top pick that came back a, a lot. Casey Mize at Auburn, um, and then other guys at Florida. I just, I mean, don't get me wrong. He's got the stuff, and he's he's you know he's got the build. Like I'm, I'm sure he'd still be a pretty high draft pick. But like, I mean, are you? How do you feel about? I, I think he's a guy that really, you know, taking a look at his whole body of work. I think that honestly needs to come back and proves he can really truly be an ace from game one to the last game of the season because I, I think he's kind of struggled in that role this year a little bit I mean I think he could definitely see I think his like max pitch to me in the MLB would be like a number three probably guy if I had to guess with the way he pitches but I think he needs another year in college which is nothing wrong with that there's nothing I mean he would probably be able to go to the MLB faster he stayed another year in college but I just think he's gonna have to improve a little bit more for he's considered like no, a really, really good prospect, which he's a good prospect, but he just had – I think he needs another year under his belt, like you said. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, he's still good, but, I mean, he hasn't been, like, that dominant force, you know, no doubt top pick. Like, I, I feel like he should yeah. be. And, I mean, like I said, it's like, what, are you really just going to pitch one season in the Friday night role and not even do that well and then leave? I just feel like there's there's so much more on the table for him. And, I mean, honestly, dude, like, you, you get to play baseball at South Carolina. Like, your life's great. It's like, why would you even want to leave early, to be honest, unless you're guaranteed you're going to be a first or second round pick and get like, you become an instant millionaire. I just don't. I mean, he's not, he's not Clark Schmidt to me. So he's not, gonna yeah, he's not, he's not on that level yet to me. I, I don't feel like, I don't know. Like, he, I mean, he's still really good, but I mean, you know, whenever Logan Chapman, a true freshman, comes in and basically takes over the Friday night role, it's like that, that to me says a lot. So, yeah. I definitely think – I don't know. It's just been something I've been thinking about because that's obviously going to be coming up in June, um, the MLB draft. And I don't know. I just – I don't know. I just kind of get the feeling. I think Adam Hill needs – like you said, I, I don't think it's a knock on him at all. He, I think from a professional level, I just think he needs another year of polish and experience. And I'm sure that's something they'll take a look at. So, it'll be interesting to watch kind of see what happens with that. Um, moving on to basketball, like we mentioned earlier, South Carolina did get a commitment today from Georgetown point guard and graduate transfer Trey Campbell, sponsored by Campbell Soup. Um, th- uh, Thomas, thoughts on the latest edition? Uh, really the biggest question I have for you, you know, obviously we haven't done a ton of research on the kid, but do you think that this, in, in what way, if at all, do you think this makes up for the Raheem Felder loss, if at all? I mean, it depends on his play, and we're not going to know for a couple months, but if he can come in and help, uh, sort of mold T, uh, TJ Moss or um, maybe make Gravit a little bit better going into his senior year after the, this kid will leave going because this is uh, Gravit's junior year, right? I'm pretty sure about that. Right. But yeah, yeah. if Gravit, honestly, if Gravit doesn't improve to the point that he can be a real starting point guard in the SEC, then there's just no hope by your junior year. But um, dude, he's not going to. No, he's so he's so bad, dude. I remember. <laughs> do you remember him? This might just be me, but I swear in the Final Four game, he tried to dunk on somebody and got his stuff sent in the stands. Like, I might be wrong about that and remembering it wrong. But it was I like, don't remember that, but I just, I just know that – and this is, a, this is a conversation for a whole other podcast, but when, when – I tell you what, I've never – what I've learned from doing armchair is fans, they get so sensitive about players. We've talked about this before, I think. Yeah. But, like, if you even tag a player – in in a tweet that's slightly negative, like you know, at Raheem Felder isn't shooting very hot today. He's actually not got a good shot today. He shouldn't be shooting anymore. He's not going to have a good high. shot for South yeah, Carolina it's, anymore. It's so. like 
it's it's just like people are like, I can't believe you tagged the kid, or I can't. It's it's kind of like when I did the uh, last week. I you know Tom Luganville had his comments, and I want to circle back to this because we're about to talk about football. But Tom Luganville had his comments about you know DeCaron Joiner should move to wide receiver. He could be like a Percy Harvin. I literally said all I said was I quote tweeted and said should at can't stop Cinco, which is DeCaron Joiner's Twitter handle. I said should at DeCaron Joiner move to wide receiver or should he stay at quarterback? People were like. I can't believe you tagged the kid in this. Like, have some respect. It's like, dude, you act like don't, he's not on Twitter. And he doesn't. Yeah, if he, it's like you act like he literally. I was like, he literally already tweeted about it separately from what I said. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I'm not saying he should do it. I'm just like, it's like, dude, if you don't want to get tagged on Twitter, don't have one because okay. you're going to. Well, like, yeah, that's a big thing. Like, my thing is, if the players who don't want to be active on Twitter aren't like. Zach Zach Pickens from Anderson has like two K follow is like on like two thousand followers on Twitter. It's because he's just not that active. And there's players like Richard Gurry at went to Florida and has fifty K in all he did this to me and Alex. He unfollowed and followed us like a hundred times trying to get us to follow him back. And this was like when neither of us are even Recru- a recruit you talking about? Yeah. I recruit well, I'm talking about with recruits, but like I just don't get some sometimes people who get so salty over Twitter. Like it's it's literally dude, an app on your Twitter Twitter is like a whole other recruit Twitter is a whole other thing, dude. Yeah, that's my we, god. We could, we could save an entire podcast to talk about how there could be an entire podcast for recruit Twitter about kids. Like, why can't I get some retweets from my Bulls fans? Let me yeah, get some retweets from my Cornhuskers. Let me get some re- there. Who is the kid? Was it Dorian Gerald, the kid that went to Arkansas? Who was the D lineman that went to Arkansas? I, think, I don't know. There was one kid. It is Dorian Gerald the year? It was Dorian, dude. He like, bro. He had every fan base retweeting his stuff. Fans who tweet like, like where my Gamecocks at and stuff like that. Like I hate that kind of stuff. Get like, bro, one of one of my favorite parts of recruiting season or like getting closer to National Sign Day is getting to unfollow recruits. I know. Yeah, I just hate it. It gets <laughs> it's, like, it's like a national pass. I, never, like, I, I cannot wait to unfollow you. I've stopped following them on Twitter until they actually sign their NIL. <laughs> or like, yeah, or NLI. Yeah. I just like, it's so old. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll move to football then. Cause like I said, I kind of, there's definitely some football tidbits want to get into. Um, Gamecocks get a commitment today, 2020 offensive lineman commitment. Isaiah Walker, Tom Tom is our recruiting guru and knows absolutely nothing about him. So great job on your part of knowing absolutely nothing about him. I'm just kidding. Okay. I, I don't know. It's 2020 offensive lineman, folks. I don't really know what you want me to say, but um, you know, I'm sure I'm sure Tom will have a. Uh, I'm sure Tom has it feels so guilty right now. I'll have an article later in the week breaking down this kid's film because. No, I'm just kidding. I, I really don't know. I can't break down film. Um, but there is no film to break down. Like I want to watch this kid's <laughs> film, but it's I can't find it. So is there really so, no film? I I looked. On, I tried to look up his photo and I couldn't find it. To, like look oh over here, so, which is it's so embarrassing. But like I don't know. He's not ranked on any websites that I've been on. So he's I'm 2020 like, though, right? So I mean, but, I mean, 24 seven has their top like 300 or whatever on their website, and usually their composite is on there. But when he's not on the composite, that means literally no other like website like Rivals or ESPN is rated him at all. And obviously, we Armchair Americans have not made a 2020 list yet. But no, we have not. But you know what? I'll I'll say this: it's always good to get commitments in the future. I guess it just shows you know it just shows that Must Champion staff are working hard, and you have to think that it's a well you know, a good I've evaluation heard, by Must Champion staff. So I've I, seen on some boards it. that he um that they offer the kid, but. Like it originally wasn't a committable offer, if that if that makes any sense. I don't know how to explain right. this, but 
he owned, but they wanted to see him in camp this summer. So my thing is, is like, why would you offer him a committable offer, but you want to see him in camp again to make sure you want it? Like, I don't get that kind of stuff, but I mean, I'm just gonna trust much. There again, we could go down the the rabbit hole of recruiting college football recruiting, but like, I feel like there are so many guys that commit early and like get lost in the shovel. Like, dude, Whoa. what happened to what happened to uh, what's his name, Ronald Holly Jamison, the wide receiver? He committed. I remember he was like the first dude to commit to the 2018 class, and literally they're like, yeah, he's not even gonna sign. Yeah, so kids, it's like a stuff lot of like times, that. Like they, I say, like they almost like change their mind on them because they like well, get some guys they didn't think they were gonna get. Like, oh, we don't have space. That's like, um, what's the who's the first guy in the 2019 class? I cannot think of his name. Save my life, but he was a linebacker from Georgia, and Adarius Gee, that was the name. Gee, yeah, yeah. Or they just whatever. they basically told him that they were just not gonna keep, let him sign. I thought they were like really pumped because we did we did a feature on him, an article on him. Yeah, I did an interview with him, and like we followed each other on Twitter, but um, he. He, like, led the state of Georgia in tackles last year with, like, over 200. But apparently he just, they just didn't like his – apparently it's, it sometimes when they think they can get a better guy, they'll just tell the other guy we – Dude, I, Muschamp is a very big camp guy, I feel like. Yeah. He, he's very – like, if you don't do good in camp – Well, he, he said he, – He said he offered, like, Darius Rush and another guy just straight off of what he saw in camp just because yeah, they played which, so well. Which I don't know if I'm, like – that like fires me up or like scares the hell out of me. It scares me some, <laughs> but obviously if they offered them, they know they've seen their film before and just wanted to make sure it was like real in person. If that makes sense, like yeah, I, I think too as well. Though it's kind of like if you can't do it on our field in a camp, like you're not going to do it in front of eighty thousand people. Like yeah, not even that's a true. Camp. It's not. Yeah, you're right. It's you're. I mean, you're it, like if, if you can't handle the pressure of a camp, there's nobody in the stadium. Like how are you going to do it when it's South Carolina, Georgia, week two? Like you're not. So, anyways, um, before I get – because, you know, there are a couple of different things I want to talk about, some really interesting tidbits I think, you know, I want to get to you, Tom, as far as on Twitter. I want to go back to kind of what I brought up earlier. Tom Luganville bringing up last week that he thought – I'm obviously paraphrasing. I don't have pulled up in front of me. Basically, he said that he thinks right now the carry-on joiner should, sw- should switch from quarterback to wide receiver, obviously because of his deficiencies in the passing game and his ability to run. He said that he has characteristics and can be a Percy Harvin type player. Obviously, again, I'm paraphrasing, but he literally said like, like Percy yeah, Harvin. He he be a said- Percy Harvin type player. What are your do you think South Carolina should move the Caron Joiner to wide receiver? Is it too early? Or do you think Luganville's actually on to something? I think he's sort of on to something and he's sort of not. You you haven't seen Joiner play in a real game that matters. And that's when it's gonna that's when it's gonna hit you and you're gonna know whether or not the kid can play. And until you give him that chance, and from probably at the end of the 2020 season, no, 2019, at the end of 2019 season, whenever Bentley's finally um, going to be gone, and you realize next year you're going to have a battle between Jorner and um, Helensky. I mean, you're not going to know. And if Jorner loses the fight and he still wants to be a quarterback, then he's going to have the opportunity to transfer out and play somewhere else, or he can make the decision to move to wide receiver. I think it's. It's completely up to him. Whatever he does is his choice. And I just don't think that I – I think it's too early to say, oh, he just can't play quarterback in the lens. He's going to be the next guy because you don't know. Yeah, I think it's a very interesting road. It's going to be a long road. Though. I mean, I just – I don't see any reason why Joyner would not get redshirted this year. I mean, he's he's not going to play, and if it does come down to he has to play, South Carolina season is screwed anyways. Yeah. So, 
which you know brings me some. I've been talking to a lot of Georgia fans, and obviously to carry on joiners and not Josh Fields, but the fact that that Georgia fans are telling me that Justin they Fields. absolutely or Justin Fields, not Josh Fields. Josh Fields is the pitcher that used to pitch for Georgia back in the day. Now Justin Fields, the uh, number one rated quarterback or whatever that committed or uh, signed with them and came. Yeah, he's at Georgia. Yeah. Anyways, Justin Fields. I, I've had conversations. It leads me to this. I've had conversations with Georgia fans, and for them basically telling me that they're they absolutely 100 do not want to redshirt him when they have uh, Jake Fromm kind of blows my mind for some reason that they want to play him that early. I mean, obviously, I'm not comparing Joiner to to you know well, Justin Phil, Fields, okay, but here's I mean, the thing. Fields is like a six five and probably just as fast as Joiner, and Joiner's six. Joiner's six one maybe. Right, right. That's being like real courteous. Yeah, I've he's he's maybe maybe super. Well, anyways, overall, I mean, I, I don't know, dude. I just from like just from getting a read on Karen Joiner, like this is just from social media. Like, obviously, yeah. I haven't talked to the kid, but you know, he always makes like the Lamar Jackson reference and like how people basically told Lamar Jackson he should be a wide receiver and stuff. Like, and it just sucks. Like, you don't want to be like, dude, you're not Lamar Jackson. Like, you're not going to well, win I mean, Heisman. He but, was a higher I mean, – he was a higher rate of recruiting than Lamar Jackson, too, which is weird. Yeah, but. I mean, like you, like you said, it's something I think you just got to kind of wait and see. I mean, it it's way I too – I mean, early. he can blow up in college and be like – he could be the next Lamar Jackson, but I just I just doubt yeah, it. You can't, you can't go off of a spring game and just say he's never going to be able to throw the ball. But, yeah, I definitely is going to be – there. I think it'll work itself out where there's going to be like the writing on the wall where it's like, dude, either you're going to transfer and play quarterback somewhere else, or you're going to change positions because, or you're just going to sit the bench your entire career. So what do you want to do? Because I mean, like you said, I mean, I think Bentley, as opposed to what some people say, which we're going to get to in just a second, I think Bentley will come back his senior year. Yeah, there's no chance unless he he'd have to throw for like forty touchdowns, like five interceptions. Yeah, and then you have, you know, Halinski is obviously a very highly touted quarterback come, that's going to be coming in, what, 2019? Yeah, he's um he'll be in winter. He'll probably be in this off winter after the season is actually over. So will he, be in, will he be in spring practice in 19? He'll be in early – wait, yeah, he'll be in early and early, yeah. Wow. See, that's just – that's crazy. So, so you're basically going to have Bentley as a senior – Joiner as a redshirt freshman and Holinsky as a freshman. I I think Joiner's redshirt gets spurned probably. You think Joiner's gonna play? I think I think if he they're gonna make pack, like goal line packages for him. I wouldn't be really. You that. think so? Damn. Yeah. I mean, I why wouldn't. not? I mean, I just I don't. I mean, yeah. I guess why not? I mean, I I I guess Ooh, why not? Here's my I mean, bro, that I'll tell you this: if they don't redshirt him, I think it's even more incentive for him to to play wide receiver because it's like. He's Listen, have, you've already burned a year, and now you have less time to play. I mean, my thing is, like, Will Muschamp, in his recruiting process, he's in a win-now mode because he wants to compete now. He doesn't right, want right, to right, wait right, right, three right. years down the road. And if Joyner can help him win, then why keep him off the field? Right. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, that, that definitely makes sense. I mean, I yeah, I mean, I could see them using him as, like, a little wildcat quarterback. I mean – I mean that, and I mean the fact that he if he can throw decently enough to actually be like, and he can like, just have any kind of threat. Yeah, you remember when like Farrah Cooper ran the Wildcat sort of for us? They, Dude, I remember when Stephon Gilmore ran the Wildcat. Yeah, it would be sort of similar to that, in my opinion. I mean, I don't know if he'd be. I think he'd probably be better than Farrah Cooper because he's probably faster. Because I never thought Farrah Cooper was that fast for some reason, but he'd probably. I think he could do it and it would work. But Bro, the real know. the real question to me is when is when is Jamias Williams going to get on offense? I think he never plays offense. Honestly, <laughs> I he, don't think he. I don't think he does either because I think T. Rob and Muschamp are like in love well, with him. T. Rob literally said, "If 
if the, if Brian McClendon gets um James Jemias Williams, then I get um gosh Shy Smith. <laughs> yeah, I, dude, they're like that's like their diamond, bro. They're like, no, nah, yeah. you're not touching. You're not putting him on offense because Shy Smith is the fastest kid on the team. So, yeah, no, yeah, for sure. All right, all right, cool. So there was a tweet this week from. I think every day should be Saturday. I think he's the one that asked it. Anyways, really, it kind of got my wheels turning a little bit. Basically asking fans what was the most painful loss as a Gamecock fan ever. Uh, I'm going to put a little twist on it. I don't want to ask the exact same thing, but I got to thinking this week, if you could change one play in Gamecock athletics history, like all of Gamecock athletics, if you could change one play, what would it be? And I thought about this long and hard, and I got to say, Tom, the one that I keep coming back to is the miracle catch in the 2013 Tennessee game where the Tennessee receiver came down and caught it one-handed, and Tennessee kicks the field goal and wins, and South Carolina is held out of the the SEC championship. Because I really think South Carolina could have won it that year and actually been a player for the national title game. I mean, can I have one game I just change in general? Yeah, you can do that. Okay, uh, Stephen Garcia throwing the Auburn game, the Auburn game, two thousand eleven or two thousand eleven. Yeah, yeah, two thousand eleven. If I could change, I was that, there, dude. I was, I was there. I was there. That was so bad, that. dude. That was. I mean, I'm the biggest Gar- Stephen Garcia fan, I, and we had him on our podcast. Oh, I, friend I, of the show. I love Garcia. Like he's a great guy. Everybody. I mean, that that's our most listened to show. Like, I absolutely love Garcia. He's a legend. But i be honest, that was the game where I walked out of Williams-Brice Stadium. I looked at my best friend and told – I literally told him. It was it was almost like when you, you're in a bad relationship with a girl and, you know, you just – you eventually come to that point where you just look yourself in the mirror and say, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. I, I cannot do it emotionally anymore. I literally looked at my best friend and was like, I, I can't do it. I can't have his back anymore. Like, there's, there's nothing left for me to say that I can justify what is going on. He's God. He was so hot and cold. But anyway, if I could change that game, I would. Because did we go eleven and two that year? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, that we were nasty us. that year. Yeah, that I would mean, change. The that. fact I've thought about it before, like the fact that South Carolina didn't win the SEC in any, the fact they only won one SEC East and never won the SEC and ten out the of fact, 10, 11, 12, 13 is absurd. The fact that we absurd. never won a national championship with the amount of. NFL talent that was on those teams is insane. Because we literally had I saw the t- Melvin Ingram, Jadavion Clowney, Stephon Gilmore, Marcus Lattimore, Connor Shaw, slash Steven Garcia. Bro, there was a there oh. was a throwback Thursday to the 2014 NFL draft. It was like eight dudes. I'm like, my they were God. they were so filthy. And what's the guy who went to Dallas and had a neck injury who was played for Carolina? Oh, was that Devon- Devontae yeah. Holloman? He was a freak too. Like how did- gross. That 2012 team, I, out of all those teams, I don't. I mean, I don't know that. DJ it's tough to too. say which one was the best, but that 2012 team was. I mean, the one that beat the living shit out of Georgia, yeah, 35 to seven. Like, that that was a nasty team. That who was the D tackle we had too? That had like it was so Kelsey cool. Quarles. Kelsey Quarles was a free. He was gross. God, yeah. how do we not was win nasty that too? Though with Melvin Ingram, yeah, I don't know, and, how. and Kelsey Quarles. How do we not win an SEC championship? And then you had Mike Davis at running back. And, and Bruce. I mean, it was – yeah, those teams were ridiculous. Hold on. um, You just, like – you just went in and out really bad. You get like, stuck, like 30 you seconds. stuck down into all day. 
Um, something I saw on Twitter, Debo Samuel, overall pick in the 2019 NFL draft. Tom, your thoughts? Uh, to me, I think it's way too high because he's had he's had what a three game stretch where he was absolutely great, and other than that, he's been hurt most of his career at South Carolina. I think if he can put together a full year, hypothetically, and, if he can put a full healthy year, do you think that would be like re- unrealistic? He that would be unreal. He, I think he's a f- top fifty pick if he puts together a complete year. But I, number three, See, is, I think he could even be a top fifteen pick. But third, that seems just, a little crazy to me. That, that's third with, the, like, with the in, with the injury history. That just third to me is like either you're drafting a franchise quarterback, a franchise defensive end, or like an offensive lineman. That you're dude, whatever you're with. drafting, you're drafting a guarantee. And yeah. Debo Samuel, even if he has one full healthy year, is like, is he going to guarantee be healthy for his career? It's like I think he's a guy no. who falls in the twenties if he like if he actually kills next year. I think he's a guy who can get in the twenties, but that's about as high to me as I would I would draft him. I talk with this about. I, Talk to Barrett Salee about this, and I asked him. I'm like, you know, am I, am I, you know, not crazy, but am I? Is my justification is me being scared of Debo Samuel like being healthy for a full season? Like, is that? Do you think that's a justified feeling? He's like, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Samuel's, you know, obviously it's not his fault he's gotten hurt, but I mean, he needs to be able to play a full season. So, I mean, that to me, that to me is going to be one of the biggest keys and question marks of Carolina's 2018 season is. I mean, can Debo Samuel just stay on the field? Yeah, because he. Can, I mean, he he doesn't. If he can just be eighty percent, ninety percent, and just be on the field for South Carolina, I mean, just his presence alone is going to make them better. I mean, if he can yeah. be what he was. God, if he could be what he was last year, my God, I mean, he, he was so feel, like people. I, people, I think, even forgot how good he was. Like he was so ridiculous. And the thing with. It's going to be even better. Is he's going to have a new offense coordinator and like and Warner's going to be helping Bentley out, which is automatically going to help Debo. So he he could have a he could have a yeah. really really good new year next year. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, last thing, I want to wrap it up a little another football tidbit. Um, we talked a little bit about this. Jake Bentley ranked the 14th best quarterback in the country. Um, I forgot what service it was. I saw it on Twitter. Um, another one that I you know in the same list. Tua was ranked number two. Um, so you know, make of that. You can spit it out. Realistically, Tom, you know, where do you think Jake Bentley sits among SEC quarterbacks? Because I'll say for me personally, I think 14th overall in the country is pretty high. Yeah, in my opinion. <laughs> what, what do you think? Well, SEC, he's probably top. Four, maybe if I got Drew Lock. Drew Lock's definitely Drew Lock there. Uh, I'd give Nick Fitzgerald over him. How about would how about Tua? I would take I would take I wouldn't take Tua because he again, like you said, he's played a freaking half a game. But um, right, Florida's quarterbacks trash. Tennessee's quarterbacks trash. I would take trash, I'll take from I would take from over him probably. From, okay, that's so. What, that's what are you the, looking at? Drew he's Lock. Number, he's number four. Three. I would say number four. He, just because yeah. last year was just so bad. He's probably, he was probably that's about where he was last year, like fourth in passing yards. He was I mean, he, probably fourth as bad passing. as as bad as he was in some games last year. He still was fourth in passing. 
Yeah, like imagine if he actually puts together like a 66, 67 complete completion percentage year. If he just like, hits the dudes that were open last yeah. year. Yeah. He's I mean if he, he's so hot and cold but like he's bro, he, that, uh, that that should be we need to find out like if you want to do some real research, we need to have a stat that's like Jake Bentley's completion percentage, passing yards, passing touchdowns and then have it next to it with an asterisk. Jake Bentley's completion percentage passing yards and touchdowns if he just hit everybody that was open that he missed. I like, mean, just the guys that were just wide open. I mean, you're looking at adding probably like a 1,000 yards. There are so many times it seemed like he just missed Hayden Hurst. Or like, I'm like Dude, how, do I mean, you, it, it, how do you it, overthrow it, Hayden Hurst? I mean, I just you think in Missouri, the first drive where he has him on the wheel route down the right side and just flat out overthrow Well, him. against Clemson, he had him open by like yeah, five yards in the first drive yeah. and missed it. That could have just set the whole tone of that game, too. Yeah, that was... on that pick six, the third drive into the game, killed it. I knew it was over then. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean for sure. It's just the whole tone of that game, you could just feel it. And, yeah. You know, obviously, but... with Kurt Roper calling plays, it wasn't no, no, we had a whole lot of optimism. But uh, as far as 14th best quarterback in the country, I just know he's top 25, if that, to me. And he's going to have to have a really good New Year next year to break the top. 15 probably. Dude, and like I said, I told somebody today, I mean, I just don't see any world where – I mean, I think Jake Bentley had to literally win the national championship to leave early, and that's 99.9% chance that ain't happening this year. I mean – And, I mean, okay. It's like, why would he leave? His dad's a quarterback coach. You know, you're the star quarterback at South Carolina. His, You know, not to be a stalker, but his girlfriend is on the volleyball team. Like, yeah. his girlfriend's at Carolina. It's like, you know, it's not like he's one of these guys where it's like, you know, I'm doing this for my family, and I yeah, gotta go get he, this money. Like, no bro, he's set. He's set, yeah. dude. I mean, he's absolutely set. Okay, so Danny Etling from LSU got drafted in this year's draft. So literally anything's <laughs> possible because he's garbage. Anything is possible. <laughs> anything's possible. But yeah, I mean, that, that's I. <laughs> that is hilarious. I mean, bro, I almost forgot Danny Etling even played football. I and he got drafted in the NFL draft to the Patriots of all people. So. That's insane. I always hope that I always see the Pats. Hope. You know what? A guy like Danny Etling would be just so nasty. I'm sure he's going to end up being like a Tom Brady 2.0, but Danny Etling, like what in the world? So if he can get drafted, I, I give Billy the, a fifth round grade if he can get in the seventh. What, round. what ground did he go? He's seventh round, like early seventh round. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean. I just don't see any upside to Jake Bentley for his personal gain. Like I just don't see what the upside would be for leaving. Plus, if he today. loses to Clemson again, there's there, you better not. Dude, leave. yeah, what are you gonna do? Leave zero and three against Clemson? Like really? Like, literally, Taj Boyd. No, you know, if, and it, if it, like the season. Like I said, like if you don't win the SEC East, if you don't get you know win the SEC, you're gonna leave with just nothing. You're just, I mean, because at that point, like Jake Bentley, what's your legacy? You were just a guy that was okay. He's an average quarterback. You're just an average. You're just a very average quarterback. I mean, re- really, when you think about it, I mean, yeah. you're it's Blake. Nothing, you're you're Blake Mitchell. It's nothing. To, you okay. are Blake Mitchell. Blake Mitchell beat Ohio State. And Blake Mitchell player. beat Clemson. Yeah, so he's literally like not as good as Blake Mitchell, and that's pretty. <laughs> not. It's, it's like he's literally like a below average quarterback. We, we we've gone we've gone down this rabbit hole. Jake Bentley versus Blake Mitchell. But like I'm I'm just trying to think like when you think about like the past quarterbacks comparing them like you know what he's done. It's like Connor Shaw did way more. Stephen yeah. Garcia did way more. Yeah. And then who was before Stephen Garcia? I mean, what Chris Smelly? Cool. He's better than Smelly. I'll give him Tommy that. Baker. I'll you give- know Connor Mitch. 
Or no, no, Perry Orth. I'm forgetting our our, our buddy Perry. He's better than the Perry last. Orth? Okay, he's he's not as good. He's between like Orth no, and McElwain. I'm not and... saying I'm not saying like he's not better than them. I'm saying like as far as like what you've accomplished, he's like the nothing. things you can the things you can check off on on the you know Garcia undefeated against Clemson, Connor Shaw undefeated against Clemson. I mean, even guys like again Blake Mitchell, he beat Clemson. He yeah. won the he won a bowl game. I mean. It's so tough. He, he falls in that category of guys literally like Chris Smelly, like Perry Orth. I mean, God, you know, again, respect to Perry Orth. And, yeah, like it wasn't like, Perry Orth's fault that he his team record was that. Were there and played okay. And you played good enough to win a couple games and maybe go to some bowl games. But it's like, what did you really do? You know what I mean? It's just not much. I can't. I just can't see 14. I saw a mock draft with him going like 19th overall. And I'm like, you're smoking crack. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean, dude, I and I, I just want to say I'm not like trying to bash on Jake Bentley. No, I mean, no, I, I've been like I've been like one of the first ones last year to defend him, but I mean, that's I just think that's that would be my if I was Will Muschamp trying to talk him to come back, like, bro, what do you want your legacy to be? Yeah. Like, that's the, what do you want your legacy to be at Carolina? Because he just has no. There's literally no point in him leaving at the end no. of the day. Yeah, and you know what? To be fair, I'm not going to lie to you. I was a big time backer of Blake Mitchell. I'm not going to lie. Jesus. I, I really did. I, I remember fighting with people in like middle school, being like, "Blake Mitchell's a good quarterback. His offensive line's just terrible." <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> I mean, his whole line was bad. <laughs> I mean, I just got. I'll just I, never. I'll just never forget the game against uh, 2006 against Florida that uh, Jarvis Moss blocked the field goal. But that was probably the best game Blake Mitchell ever played. That well, was an absurd game. Here's the thing. Jake Bentley is not nearly as terrible as Lorenzo Nunez, and that's all that matters. Oh, my God. <laughs> I hated that kid so much. Dude, hot take of the century. Brandon McElwain was terrible as well. Oh, uh, I, I think he was bad. Is he even on a college roster anymore? No. Yeah, he had to sit out a year. He is, he is now with – or he was last year, but he is now active with the Cal Golden Bears. He will have a chance to play this fall. So He – I yeah. bet. And I play, believe- he's play, play, he might be playing baseball right now. I'll give you twenty dollars. He never touches the field at Cal on the football field. I, bro, I don't know. We we overrated on that one. I'll give it to us, dude. I literally I eviscerated Brandon McElwain when he transferred. I I thought he sh- I thought he should have stayed. I thought he could have won the quarterback job from Jake Mentley, but he he was really bad. Uh, I just hated that because like there was so much hype, dude. He was like donned as like the dude. I mean, he was gonna yeah. be like the savior. He was supposed just, to be. I mean, I think he could have been really good. He just there was so much thrown on him early, which isn't his fault. But I mean, yeah, that team was bad too. That they that he got Muschamp got a lot out of that team to win win six games. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. I mean, the only reason Jake Bentley did so well is because he was just an absolute gunslinger and just yeah. had no fear. I mean, he didn't give. He basically just didn't give a shit. Yeah, Lorenzo Nunez, boy, that was a that, was, that, that year was with him and Perry Orth going back for the quarterback battle was oh so bad. That was well, that was the three and nine fifteen, right? Yeah, that's, that's yeah, that was year. that was that was ugly. Lost this little. That's yeah. that's probably the worst loss in history, to be honest. Yeah, I I remember being at the uh, twenty fifteen because I, I was obviously there at the twenty fifteen season, and uh, I was at the Citadel game too. Not fun, but. uh I remember being at the UCF game earlier that year. I don't know if you really remember that game at all, but Nunez, that was like the first one he started. Didn't they win? They well, they won. They I mean, won, but UCF went defeated <clears throat> that year, I'm pretty sure. But that was literally the game where Spurrier, they asked him later, he's like, that's when I knew it was over. 
And I remember that game. People, you know, people obviously were leaving early. South Carolina was up by like 14 or 21 in the fourth quarter. I looked at my buddy next to me. I was like, bro, I don't know why people are leaving because this might be the last home game we win all year. And sure enough, I think it was. Yeah, it probably was. <laughs> They're so terrible. Yeah, that was, yeah that was – yeah. I mean, I'm just glad that three – I remember – I mean, dude, the only times I felt so low, Citadel I felt low, but you know what? Honestly, one of the other times I felt so low was 2014 Tennessee when Tennessee came all the way – well, they were ahead yeah. – South was had 21 in the fourth quarter and lost – and I literally remember after that game looking at my buddy, I was like, I'm so ready for football season to be over. There were like three more games left. Oh, I, was like, so I, bad. I, just, I was like, I just want this season to be over. Like I don't even care anymore. Just not a bad day for us. Not a good, not a good day. I mean, it was just full. No. All right. Well, we could loathe and self-pity all night, but we're gonna wrap this one up. Um, again, be sure to check us out, armchairallamericans.com, the show brought to you by the Armchair Americans, localizing your sports coverage content. Uh, be sure to check out the podcast, all our latest breaking Gamecock news and coverage on armchairallamericans.com, obviously on iTunes, the Stitcher app. Um, we are the best Gamecocks podcast online if you're not subscribed to us. I don't know what you're doing. You're missing out. Be sure to check us out. Again, iTunes, the Stitcher app, where you can find us on social media, Twitter, Instagram. You know where to find us. So, again, for Chris Phillips – or, excuse me, for Tom Floyd, I'm Chris Phillips. Thomas, you got any last words? Uh, go Cox. Go Cox. All right, good. We will catch you guys next week. Appreciate you guys, appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll see you soon.